The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. With available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. What's good, everybody? Welcome in to the early edge. And it's hard to believe, but we have arrived. Week five NFL mega preview. We are just about a quarter of a way through a 17-game season. And so far, boy, it's been unpredictable. And then still predictable as San Francisco, Philadelphia, and Kansas City off to really good starts through the first four weeks. But we have a full slate, except for four teams starting their buys this week. And I bet they are very happy about that. The Browns, Chargers, Seahawks, and Bucks will not be in action this week. So with all that being said, I've got two of the best NFL minds in the business at my disposal every single Tuesday. If you're watching live, thank you very much. Please hit that like button for me. It's very, very important to the show. RJ White, the stoic one, is here. The maestro, Larry Hartstein, is here. Quickly, gentlemen, after all the banana land that we saw this past weekend, RJ, let me start with you. What was the, I guess, the most craziest thing that you saw this weekend from some of these games? Uh, Denver Broncos won a game. Uh, that's pretty crazy. I didn't know that that was going to happen just based on how they've been playing. Um, so kudos to them. Uh, you know, it's it's NFL. You're going to get some crazy stuff happening. I think we're all kind of shocked how great the Houston Texans are playing right now. Um, and and just they look like they could be the best team in the division, um, considering Jacksonville hasn't really got off on a, on a hot start there. So really impressive to see them get, especially with all the injuries on the offensive line, to get going pretty quickly. Yeah, I think two of the three rookie quarterbacks playing great. Richardson played good for the Colts, and I think C.J. Stroud's been the biggest surprise in the league so far. Maestro, what about you? I think it would have to be Brandon Staley going for it in his own territory again after it almost cost him uh, the week before, and then it almost cost him again. I mean, this time he wasn't on the 20. I think he was on the 35, but still uh, they had to sweat another one out. That was was That was the topic, Maestro, of my segment every week called What Are You Doing? If you haven't seen it, go to my Instagram page or go to my Twitter page. Could not believe that they won another game the way Brandon Staley coaches that team. It's crazy to me. Crazy to me. All right, but we've got to look forward. So, gentlemen, let's get it going. We go through every single game Thursday, Sunday, and also Monday night. Or if you guys want, we could just go straight to Sunday because this week, the Thursday night game, Mm. Bears – Commanders. Now, Washington played really, really well against Philadelphia, taking them to overtime. They're favored by six and a half. Very important. That's under seven currently, uh, Maestro. Total 44 and a half. And you like a side in this game, but maybe not the side everybody would think. Start us off. Yeah, this opened at four and a half. And then after how well the commanders played, it got up five and a half, six and a half. And it did touch seven, which is when I locked it in on Sportsline and personally played it at minus 115. And you can still buy it up to seven with some juice. And I know it's hard to back the worst team, maybe the worst team in football, uh, the worst defense aside from the Broncos, maybe the worst coaching staff, but they still have talent. They still have Justin Fields, who played an amazing game offensively and it wasn't just you know how bad Denver was he did play great football and it just it offends me to see the commanders laying this many points I mean they've given up 30 plus points in three straight games and you still have a very young quarterback in Sam Howell there's just no way in my mind that they should be laying a full touchdown and the analytics guru Cleve T.A. A great follow on Twitter pointed out the commanders coming off an overtime game. The defense was on the field for nearly 80 plays. And you can go back the last 24 times a team played an overtime game on Sunday and had to have a quick turnaround and play on a Thursday. They are three and 21 against the spread. 
Wow. Say that number again. Three and 21 against the spread when you play overtime and your opponent does not play overtime. And then you have to come back on a short week and play again Thursday. And all those boxes are checked. Love that. That may be the stat of the week. I'm, I'm absolutely stealing that for any show we use later in the week. I love it. And for primetime early edge. RJ, your thoughts on this one? Yeah, we now have four weeks of data, so I'm going to go a little more data-heavy than I have been the first few weeks when we're just kind of judging off of um, preconceived notions and, and, and what we see over these limited sample sizes against um, certain matchups. So, looked in this one. I mean, it was a nice rebound for Washington's offense against Philly, but the defense is still struggling. The Washington offense is ninth in yards per rush, but just 24th in yards per pass, and Chicago's defense has been good versus the run. So, this is a matchup that would seem to help the Chicago defense. We see how banged up they are on the, the, the secondary side. Um, Maybe Washington can exploit that a little and throw a little more. But you would have thought Denver could do that, too. And they were got down to, what, 24-7 and had to rally back in that game, helped by a fumble recovery. So Chicago actually held up surprisingly well last week. Washington's offense last in sack rate, but Chicago's defense can't really generate pressure. So I don't know if that's going to come back to bite them. Chicago's offense fifth in yards per rush, while Washington's defense 26 in that same category. That's the path to Chicago scoring points. Lean on the run game, Justin Fields, Khalil Herbert, Roshan Johnson. I think I agree this is too much for a mediocre Washington team to lay. Remember, they were laying seven in week one against Arizona that proved to be um, not a great uh, a great move so this when this touched up to seven I love that value too I would still play a plus six and a half Chicago's my worst power ratings team but I think they still have value at the six and a half number all right great analysis by the way I don't mean to stall the show but so many people have tweeted me and they just put it in the chat again and maestro I got to give you credit about what happened last night real quick explain what you said and why it was so apropos well, it actually didn't work out, Coach, but I appreciate uh, the tip of the cap. Brad Rogers' crew calls a ton of penalties, and usually those are on the defense, and that enables the offense to keep drives going and score. And score. But the Giants were so pathetic, uh, they couldn't cash in anything. He is definitely an over-ref. It didn't happen last night, but our ref article did go 2-1 and one and is 7-5 and five now for the season. Yeah, and there was if there was ever an over on amount of penalties, that would have hit last night too. So that information is awesome. Knowledge is power. We say it on the show all the time. Nuggets, nuggets, nuggets. Now, let's move to Sunday. And this is an interesting one. The Jags have completely bought in. Their owner loves playing over in London. He always buys in. Usually it's one game. Now it's two games every year, it seems like, moving forward. And R.J. White, your Buffalo Bills, traveling overseas. Jags have been waiting. They played there last week, laying out the Atlanta Falcons. The number, five and a half, total 49. This is a best bet for you. Yeah, I have the Bills here. They're just playing so well. Um, uh, Aaron Schatz posted his DVOA uh, analysis article that they're the best 3 and one team that he's ever graded. Um, not as quite as good as some 4-0 teams. But even that three-game stretch that they had over the, the weeks 2-4 to four is better than the 7 Pat stretch, their first three games. Now, they're, they're just the last three games have been incredibly well played. 48-20 uh, to 20 against a team that just scored 70 is awesome, um, dominating that team with an elite offense. Jacksonville also off a solid win, but it was against a limited offense in Atlanta where you know what they're going to do and you're not worried about their quarterback at all. Buffalo's defense is struggling against the run. That's where Jacksonville should want to attack them, but their run offense is not playing well, and their, their offensive line is not that good. Buffalo's defense first in interception rate and sack rate. I mean, this could be a game where Jacksonville's offense reverts to what they did in KC, where they couldn't move the ball. They had three field goals, and that's it, no touchdowns. I think that's in play for, for how well this Buffalo defense is playing. And Buffalo has 37-plus points in three straights. I don't think the Jacksonville defense is good enough to slow them down. My power rating says Buffalo is 7.5 points better. So on the neutral field, I know Jacksonville is kind of their home away from home, but still a neutral field. Fans will be interested, uh, you know, excited to see these Bills who look like a Super Bowl contender. I think this line should be at least seven. So I got best bet Buffalo minus five and a half. Who would have thought that a Jets win in week one? Because I believe this is the reason you guys may disagree with me, but I think because of what happened in week one, we're stalling how big the spreads are going to be for the Bills so far. Do you guys I think that's why? Because it should be seven RJ. Nobody knows more than RJ. But it's still at five and a half. I think they're still remembering what happened in week one. What do you think, Larry? Yeah, well, the Jets are Josh Allen's kryptonite, and he has not proved that he can handle them. But against everyone else, like RJ said, they are an, uh, a machine, an unstoppable machine. However, there are some issues, and the reason I'm not willing to lay the points with Buffalo is the spot. They come off a massive win against a division rival, against a team that just scored 70, and they put a beat down on national TV. Now they've got to travel to London 
And whereas the Jags are just sitting and waiting for them, that's one issue. And the second thing is the secondary. They lose Tredavious White, their best corner by far. Jordan Poyer, their starting safety, did not play. Two other guys in the secondary left the game came back so we'll see if they're able to go this week but that secondary to me rj could be an issue i know the passing game hasn't gotten on track completely but when you have ridley you have christian kirk and maybe zay jones comes back i think the jags will have success through the air yeah you might be right we'll see they really got up the schneid last week but this bills team they're a different animal now game number two excuse me, two on Sunday, but the first one at 1 o'clock is the surprising Houston Texans at the Falcons. Now, Atlanta favored by 1.5, total 41.5. Maestro, let me come right back to you. I also think the sports books are sleeping a little bit on the Texans as well. Your thoughts? Yeah, you could be right, Coach, because it's been a a rapid adjustment from uh, what we thought of the Texans preseason to what we're trying to deal with, what we're seeing right now, which is how well C.J. Stroud is playing behind, you know, a vacant offensive line missing four starters. It's been unbelievable. The Falcons were three and a half on the look ahead. It got under two and a half. It got all the way down to pick them. And I just think there is a play here on the Falcons if you want to make the case because Desmond Ritter, as bad as he is, and he probably should be benched right now for Taylor Heineke. I think Heineke will give them a better chance to win. But he's 4-0 at home, Desmond Ritter. He's 0-4 on the road. That includes the London game. So he has played better at home. And this Falcons defense held those Jags 4.7 yards of play. So this defense is playing a lot better than it did last year. I'm hesitant right now uh, to jump on the Texans bandwagon. Do you think, RJ, that Maestro is right, that maybe because of where they drafted Desmond Ritter and they said, this is his team, we got to play him, but there is so much heart in that backup. And at some point you got to say the offense just hasn't done anything for two straight weeks. I mean, it's a third round pick. It's not, not that big of an investment. P teams have, have moved on from second round picks a lot quicker than this. So um, I don't know that the draft investment really means a great deal. I think they invested, you know, in, in this particular offense working and they, before they pull the plug, they want to give him every chance to succeed. And it's not like their record is terrible. So they can talk themselves into we're winning games anyway. Um, I would lean to the, the Texans here, the pass offense dominant, despite the offensive line injuries, fifth in yards per pass with no interceptions from a rookie quarterback behind that offensive line. It's one of the most incredible things I've seen in the first month of a season ever, probably. Atlanta's defense, seventh in yards per pass, but they're only 29th in sack rate. So this is going to be a better matchup for the offensive line than that Steelers matchup supposedly was, which they handled pretty easily. Atlanta's pass game has no juice. Houston defense just sent down, just shut down another offense that has no passing game juice. Um, so I, my power ratings say it should be three. Houston has a large coach and quarterback edge, I think, at this point. I don't want to go with the power ratings here. So if I'm playing this one, it's going to be Houston. Yeah, me too. I saw an interview with C.J. Stroud. I'm so incredibly impressed with this young kid and how he thinks as a quarterback for the Houston Texans. All right, speaking of another rookie quarterback, how about Mr. Young and the Panthers? They're going on the road this week against the Detroit Lions. The Lions, they've looked really, really good lately. They're laying nine because the Panthers lost by eight at home to Minnesota, who was 0-3 at the time. So here's the the lines nine. The total is 45 and maestro for you. This is a best bet. Yeah, I'm on the Lions. Got it at eight and a half. I'll still lay it at nine. This Panthers team, this is the worst offense in football. Bryce Young is 30th in passer rating. Andy Dalton would give them a better chance to win, but obviously they're trying to develop their rookie quarterback. His first road start was an absolute disaster in Atlanta. This is his second road start. You look at the Lions, Jamison Williams is eligible to come back to add another piece to that offense, which has tremendous balance right now. They smothered the Packers. They had extra rest. I love this team. They, you know, they have, they're an overtime loss away from being 4-0. Yeah, that overtime loss, RJ, was to the Seattle Seahawks, who have now won three in a row themselves. So they were a very good team as well. Do you think that Detroit, and many of us were wrong, a lot of us were on the Packers, and the Lions went out and said, uh-uh, not this time. How good do you think the Lions are? Yeah, pretty good team. Um, you know, they fourth on the defense, fourth in yards per play. They've been dominant in the last two weeks against Atlanta and Green Bay offenses. Green Bay still relatively limited. I know they got a few guys back, but the offensive line was pretty limited there in that game. So um, we, we were on Packers early in the week. We expected them to be healthier, especially on that O-line. I don't know what's happening with David Bakhtiari. Um, Carolina's defense, fourth in sack rate. I think they should, can create some havoc if Taylor Decker is not able to play in this game. So that'll be injury to monitor here. Um, but Carolina's defense, 29th in yards per rush. Detroit can just win. win by the run game and their defense because Carolina's offense 
horrible last week despite the matchup. They played this Minnesota defense I know a lot of people hate. Um, just, you know, 14, they allowed 14 points, but they couldn't score basically anything. Um, and they're 31st in yards per pass, 31st in yards per play. I don't know how it gets better for this offense until Bryce Young takes a big step forward or into the play calling duties go to, to the offensive coordinator because it just seems like they are completely out of sorts on offense. So I don't know that they'll be able to score enough to keep up with Detroit here if Detroit can put up a big number on a banged up defense. So yeah, I, I would lean to Detroit as well. My power ratings have it probably at I think 11 and a half was the number. Wow. So we're getting a couple points of value here. Plus, this is a very fast track inside in Detroit. That also helps the Lions as well. Their team speed is off the charts. Now, you know, here at the early edge, the bread and butter that we have. Oh, it's delicious. Not only in the NFL, but also also at CBS with college football. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And that is all over CBS Sports Network, a full slate of games this Saturday. Now, moving on, the Titans. What were the Titans doing this week? They come off, can't score a touchdown against the Browns, and they come home, and then the Bengals look like they did the week before. I just don't think Joe Burrow is healthy at this point. So the Titans, we'll get to the Bengals in a second, the Titans are traveling to Indianapolis. And when you think about Maestro, the way the Colts lost, down 20 to nothing at halftime, they come all the way back. The place is rocking. It goes to overtime after a successful two-point conversion. But then... They don't even get the ball because their defense can't stop Puka Nakua, who's setting all kinds of NFL records for catches and yards. The guy's a stud, and he's a rookie. So the Colts come back. They're laying one against Tennessee. 42.5 is the total. This one is fascinating to me. What about you? Yeah, this is a game that's very interesting, and and the Titans really burned me because I like the Bengals and and was so disappointed to see the effort, uh, you know, and the lack of of oomph that they had on offense. It was embarrassing, but I think the Titans are going to have success passing the ball because of what happened in that game. The Colts lose another cornerback, Flowers. They lose their best pass rusher, Quiddy Pay. He already had three sacks and two fumble recoveries. You know, they traded Stephon Gilmore. They lost another cornerback to a gambling suspension. So this secondary is a total mess so i think this is gonna be a great game because we know you can throw on on tennessee and now i believe the titans are going to throw at will against the colts maybe not to what matthew stafford did uh but it should be a good offensive day i'm definitely leaning titans such a great point by the maestro rj and this is the first time that i got to see an entire game of anthony richardson i'm a new fan this kid is a dynamic athlete can throw the ball and he has a ton of confidence your thoughts on this one He's getting put in a position to succeed. He has a good offensive coaching staff who knows what to do with him. And if you just throw him out there, like like apparently another offensive coaching staff we thought was good, the Giants are doing with Daniel Jones with no plan, no nothing. Um, it, it would look a lot different. So credit to the coaching staff there and credit to him. Everybody thought he was too raw coming in to have success in his rookie year. It has not been the case. I'm interested in this Tennessee offense. They are Jekyll and hiding their way to a two and two record. That, as you mentioned, uh, you know, sometimes they look like they are unable to move the ball at all. And Ryan Tannehill needs to retire. And then sometimes you're putting up a bunch of points their offensive line is 31st and first in sack rate though it's D has been a solid ninth in that, that category and ninth in yards per rush so depending on the injuries maybe it can be a little bit more pushback i think it really depends on tennessee's offensive line they're going to get depth back with petite Freer coming back he was like jameson williams suspended for the first six games they overturned that and shortened those those um down a little bit so he's going to come back and provide depth i don't know if he's necessarily going to start at right tackle because their fill-in right tackle has been playing really well um but at, that, at least the depth will help an offensive line that has struggled 
Um, Peter Skaronsky, we'll see if he's healthy. He's been missing um, games, and he's an elite, um, a high-ceiling player at guard. Tennessee's defense we know is elite versus the run. We'll see if Jonathan Taylor comes back this week. I know he's returning to practice. I don't know that we'll see him right on the field right away. And But that pass offense, as good as Richardson has, look, the pass offense has been a little limited. So I'm not sure the scoring is going to get as much out of hand as, as Larry is. Indy's defense, if it does, though, they've faced 150 plays in back-to-back games because they've had two overtime games in a row. And at some point, it's just going to wear on you. So um, I don't know that they're going to make it through four quarters in this one. They might might get gassed there. My lean would be to Tennessee because of that, just because I think they can have success in the second half of this game, especially yeah, with Derrick Henry pounding, them out, pounding the ball. Great point. Great point. They had nothing left in overtime against the Rams. They weren't even close to any of those receivers when they were just marching the ball down the field. It was over when they lost that coin flip. Great point, RJ, by you. Now, this next game is very, very interesting because I thought last night, even though we were all in Seattle and we cashed a bunch of tickets, blah, 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 I couldn't help but think that Brian Dayball completely disrespected Daniel Jones. Now, say what you want about how Daniel Jones played. It was one nasty look and tossing. Yeah, it was just, I thought it was completely disrespectful. This line, however, is not disrespectful. The Dolphins laying 10 and a half, total 49 and a half. The Giants managed all of three points last night. And you know, RJ, that the Dolphins, they're going to be ticked off after getting blown out by your Bills. Your thoughts? Yeah, Miami got blown out. They're still number one in yards per play, yards per pass, yards per rush, all by a wide margin. That's how great they've been playing. So the offense should score points. It's now like the Giants defense actually did play pretty well against Seattle. Some of that was was Geno Smith was cooking. And then um, that injury on the sidelines that he had to play through in the second half didn't look like the same quarterback after that. Uh, but Miami's defense inconsistent. They can struggle against good offenses. Luckily for them, they are not playing a good offense in this game. I was a big proponent of Ryan Dayball coming into the Giants. I was vindicated on that last year. The same coaching staff looks terrible right now. I don't know if they forgot what they were doing um, over the offseason or, or, or whatnot, but the offense is so bad, was so bad against a beat-up Seattle defense and just had one trick and just kept on do, going to it over and over again, and they couldn't solve it that I don't know how you how, how it gets fixed, especially in a week, especially even if you get Andrew Thomas back, even if you get Saquon Barkley back. I mean, the, the problems run all the way up and down the team and the organization, it seems like that point. I have this line at I mean, 12 and a, minus 12 and a half. Um, at these big numbers, I would be worried about a backdoor cover, especially with Miami's defense looking a little shaky. Not the case after watching that Giants um, offense last night. I think Miami probably wins this game by 14-plus. And we know, Larry, that after allowing 48, that in their minds, the Dolphins, there's no way they're taking the foot off the gas pedal ever in this game. I agree with RJ. It's going to be 14 or more, in my opinion. Yeah, I would also lean towards laying the points. If it was nine and a half before we what we saw last night, now it's ten and a half, a short week against an angry Dolphins team. You know, Tua is under 500 against the spread on the road, but at home, this guy is a covering machine. Teron Armstead will not be back, but maybe Connor Williams is back. Maybe Jalen Phillips is back. But I agree with you guys. Even though Daniel Jones has had that history of being the backdoor cover, especially on the road, uh, you know, they're trying to tempt you with 10 and a half, and I won't take that bait. This might, depending on where this lands, might be a nice teaser leg. We'd have to see exactly what the number is. All right, moving on. Now, I heard a long discussion out here on ESPN radio yesterday, and it was actually surprisingly a good one. And it was, should this be the last year for Bill Belichick and the Patriots? He's been coaching based off of what he did with Tom Brady in the last few years. They haven't been good at all. I mean, at all. So, Maestro, let's start with you. They're laying a point and a half against the Saints. The total is 40. I don't even know who's going to be under center come Sunday for this one for New England. Or, I guess, for the Saints, too. Yeah, either way, I would only look at the under here. The Saints have played 10 straight unders. You know, under Pete Carmichael, they have scored... 10 or fewer points five times. He just took over as the OC last year. So this is a very limited offense. You're right. Even if, uh, and Derek Hart uh, should not have been out there, you know, 37 attempts to gain 137 passing yards is pretty embarrassing. And uh, and the Patriots, we know how limited offensively they are. I think, you know, you see it down to 40. This was 40 and a half earlier. I would still go. Yeah, said RJ said uh, in the in the chat. Jones took so many hits; he needs to be checked out. Whatever checked out means, maybe benched. I don't know. Maybe zappy. What were your thoughts when you watched them not even score a touchdown and the worst loss in the career 
for Bill Belichick. Yeah, my thoughts were stop making excuses for this offense. I actually thought they played pretty well in week one against the Eagles, um, uh, overperformed what the, what the stats were in that game. Um, and then people kind of thought they played a lot better in week three than I did against the Jets. They all oh, they controlled that game. They needed a touchdown to a third string tight end off a, you know, a little bit of a play action a misdirection that, that the Jets didn't expect. And that was really their only offense in the game, really. Um, so I didn't think that offense was playing very well. Been, been, been banged up dealing with some offensive line issues. But this is the, the DNA of that team with that receiving core they didn't invest a ton in um the, the bad news is it doesn't get much easier for that offense now new orleans defense is only one spot below dallas in yards per play um but their sack rate is mediocre so maybe that helps mac jones he's not under siege as much um as, as playing some of these better defenses and new orleans offense predictably struggled i don't know why they played a hurt car um, I, I thought there was a downgrade to Jameis from a healthy car but there certainly wouldn't have been a downgrade from the car that was on the field that uh you know that on sunday so what's his status i think we'll have to monitor that to determine what we're what we're going to play in this game the New England defense has faced play some tough face some tough tests tests, but New Orleans offense 29th in yards per play, 32nd in the red zone. They cannot convert touchdowns. We started saw it in the first week against the Titans. They couldn't put away the Titans because they were settling for field goals, and it's just continued on from there. Um, my biggest worry about taking New England in this game, which I'm leaning toward doing, is that their defense is dealing with several key injuries. Matthew Judon is going to miss a long time. We don't know how long. Um, Christian Gonzalez, we don't know how long he's going to miss, but he's been as good as Devin Witherspoon was last night. Christian Gonzalez been playing at a high level as well. So I don't think there was a bad pick between the two of those guys when we were determining who should be the first cornerback drafted. Um, so I'm happy to fade the overreaction to a bad Mac game against a really good defense. I think New England should win this game, but I want to kind of see the state of the defense there and how healthy Carr is going into the week. Mark writes in the chat, the wise words of the stoic one. And I agree. Now, all of these games, so many of you, and we've been so pleased at the reaction, and we're just going to be growing and growing the relationship, but so many of you haven't yet. So new BetMGM customers, you can sign up today and get $200 in bonus bets. Just place your first wage or release $10, and you will receive $200 instantly in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome with bonus code EDGE200. Again, that is EDGE200. Now, next game. Last one o'clock game on Sunday, and this is always a bitter rivalry and normally certainly plays into how things end at the end of the season for both of these clubs. But the Ravens, they looked the part this year. The Steelers the last two weeks, uh-uh, and they got blown out by the Texas Kenny Pickett. What? Total 38 and a half. Ravens favored by three and the hook, very important, on the road at one o'clock on a Sunday. So, RJ. Where are we going? Can we lay the three? That seems so much more than three to my eye. Yeah, we even got as high as four, and I think even four and a half. Um, I wouldn't lay it with the Ravens at that point. Um, Steelers, five and one straight up against the Ravens in the last three years. Uh, they were dogs four times. I know some of that plays into uh, the, what quarterback's available for Baltimore. But Pittsburgh, four dogs four times out of the six, and that one still won five of those six games. And the one loss was by two points. So I have Trubisky as a two-point downgrade heading into the week. Considering how bad Kenny Pickett's played, it could very well be zero. I mean, it could be a net neutral. It might even be a little positive. Baltimore's defense, first in yards per play. They played C.J. Stroud in his debut, um, and that was in Baltimore. And Stroud's been great since that game. But um, a little bit of a, a caveat there. Played a hurt Joe Burrow, played guard, two backup quarterbacks, Gardner Minshew and Dorian Thompson-Robinson. So a little bit of a, a, a easy slate of, of opponents there. Um, See, so maybe the Baltimore defense isn't as good as they've looked, but they're probably playing a backup quarterback in this game too. So I don't know that we should expect better from Pittsburgh's offense that has scored four touchdowns in four games. Pittsburgh defense 26th in yards per play, despite facing the Cleveland, Vegas, and Houston offenses. They got to be better. Um, they should be. Everybody expected them to be better coming into the year. Um, the matchup says this could be a blowout, and the stats kind of say this could be a blowout. Baltimore could run away with it. But history says back Pittsburgh in these type of spots. So I would lean to Pittsburgh at plus three and a half. I would get the four if I was going to play it, but um, but not really confident in it. That is probably the right play, but Jason says the Ravens are a lock. That loss to Indy really woke them up. Larry, do you agree? This is a hard one because I agree with RJ. The spot is all about Pittsburgh. Mike Tomlin has a dog, and I heard a stat that in this series, when a team is getting more than a field goal the last 20 times, 18-2 and two against the spread, that would tell you to play the Steelers. You know, it's an all-in effort at home after being embarrassed on the road. However, the fact that they did not fire Matt Canada has got to just dismay that entire locker room. And I agree with you, RJ. I think Trubisky could actually be an upgrade over the way Kenny Pickett was playing. It at least he's mobile 
out there, you know, in the backfield. However, you lose Pat Fryermuth now. I mean, you've lost Deontay Johnson. So the weapons aren't even there. They can't stop the run without Cam Hayward. So even though the spot is all Steelers, the facts are all Ravens. Normally when fans complain about a coach, you're like, all right, leave him alone. But man, I think it was warranted this week. I really, really do. Now, you know, at CBS, we're always trying to make things better, not just in the world of football, but also football. And you know how big Buckets and the Guru and the silent assassin Brant Sutton are to our brand? We've got another brand at CBS. You know I love doing this. Galazzo! Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Do you know how much money I would pay to have RJ do what I just did? Oh my, that would be the greatest moment in early edge history. But we'll save that for a really special time. But Galatz, oh, that'd be amazing. That would be amazing. All right. So, RJ, I'm going to start right there with you. Because last week, the world was on the Philadelphia Eagles. And I even paid the juice to bring the number down to seven. So you can imagine how happy I was with A.J. Brown because he had to make it all about himself after the go-ahead touchdown that would have pushed. He gave up 15 yards, and they score with no time left to go to overtime. Basically, no time left. So the Eagles, but don't worry, he didn't even care over on the bench. He was still high five and didn't care what was going on on the field. It really ticked me off. So this week, the Eagles are going on the road. They're laying four and a half against the Rams team that you take that sandwich game out of it. They've played really, really good. And last week in the first half, played fantastic. Now, how healthy is Matthew Stafford going to be? That remains the question. RJ, start us off on this one. Yeah, it's hard to lay points against this Rams team. It's been frisky, scoring a ton of points um, and, and looking pretty solid. Um, Philly 4-0, but it feels like they've yet to hit their stride. Bad penalties in that game against Washington, especially on third down. Um, as somebody who had Philly, I just kept on grabbing, my, pulling my hair out every time they committed a bad penalty on third down, extending yeah. the drives. I mean, they they had a plus 1.3 yard per play margin in that game, completely outplayed Washington, and those those penalties just kept them in it. Um, Rams defense faced a decimated in, in the offensive line last week, a lot worse than I think I gave it credit for going into that game. This is going to be a much tougher test. One of the best offensive lines in the league here. Look ahead was Philly minus six. So this comes down. It was that, and, and it's actually four in a lot of spots. Um, I think three and a half might end up getting getting on the board because I know people want to back the Rams. And I'm not worried about Philly. It seems like the market's a little bit more worried about Philly than I am right now. San Francisco was minus seven at the Rams in week two. Should have covered that game. Then that meaningless field goal at the end to make it a push. I'm sure everybody remembers that. Um, Philly is in that same tier, maybe slightly below San Francisco, but I think they're right there. So I don't see why this line isn't six or seven. Um, I'm looking to play Philly. I just need to get a, at least a four, and I'm going to probably hold out hope and see if we can get a three and a half. Okay, very, very good. I love that analysis because sometimes I fall into the trap, Maestro, of overreacting myself. What do you think about this matchup? Yeah, I'm with RJ in terms of looking for a way to play Philly. I'm hoping the number comes down. You know, Matthew Stafford, it's a deep uh, or it's a b- hip bruise, and he's still in pain. He's still sore. And Sean McVay saying all the right things that he's going to be out there. Uh, but let's see how the week goes. I mean, we've seen this transpire in different ways with Matthew Stafford, and he's taken quite a beating, and he has an unbelievable load on his shoulders as the quarterback of this team. And Cooper Cup could come back. That would be a big boost to the offense but yeah up front on both sides of the line of scrimmage i think this is a mismatch and i'm looking to lay it with philly all right maybe the way the rams threw the ball brought this number down maybe it'll be i don't know i don't know but i love the eagles this week now this next game involves maybe the biggest surprise on the field 
in the NFL this season. They haven't necessarily won all the games, but they've looked really good. I'm talking about not Cincinnati. I'm talking about the Arizona Cardinals, who, by the way, Zach Ertz, he's dead to me. He caught, cost myself a cover, dropping a touchdown pass with eight seconds to go. But I digress. Now, the Cardinals had it 21-16 against the 49ers in the third quarter until it got away from them. So, RJ, how in the world are the Cincinnati Bengals laying three this week? Because the look ahead was minus seven. And, you know, it's just you're not going to get even that's a huge move from from the look ahead. And you typically don't see unless you're dealing with an injury. And who knows, maybe Burrow isn't playing this game. Um, the, that move seems fair with since he's offensive issues. Since he looks like the team everybody expected Arizona was going to be hitting into the year, just cannot move the ball at all. They rank last with just four yards per play. That's Cincinnati's offense. That's the Joe Burrow Super Bowl contending Cincinnati Bengals. Cannot throw downfield, um, I guess, because of Burrow's injuries. T. Higgins can't hold on to a pass um, to save his life. Uh, Arizona's defense is 29th in yards per play and yards per pass. So this should be a matchup that Burrow can bounce back if he's healthy and if, if um, there's not some underlying issues there. Arizona's offense, ninth in yards per play, second in yards per run. That's despite facing Dallas and San Francisco in their first four games. Offense is playing really well, much better than anybody could have possibly imagined, especially considering their their head coaching hires on the defensive side. And, and it's not like a Shane Steichen situation where you're okay, he can, he can generate some things and make the offense look good. They're doing this with a replacement-level quarterback they acquired just before the beginning of the season in their top 10 in yards per play. Since he's defense 30th in yards per run, I think the formula is there for Arizona's offense to have success. I want to fade the big look-ahead move. I want to say seven's closer to the right number from from the look-ahead. I just can't trust Cincy right now, so I'm going to lean Cincy. Um, if it gets under three, I might think about it, but, but I don't want to play them. I was actually – I was going through a few games today, and I have the Arizona Cardinals as one of my five that I'm looking at for my TikTok lock of the week. So I was that's how much I like the Cardinals. But now I listen to RJ and I may have to just scratch that game off my board for a lock of the week. I still may play maybe not my lock, Maestro. What do you think about that? Well, I believe your lock is three and one so far on TikTok. So nice job there. I'm going to look at the over here because the Bengals defense has been almost as disappointing as their offense. I do think their offense will wake up. It's a great matchup and Joe Burrow is going to start. Uh, So I think they will get it going. Not sure if T Higgins is going to play, but he's been playing so badly. Like RJ said, it may not be a downgrade uh, with the rib injury and Josh Dobbs. I mean, what can you say? This guy's been so impressive. James Conner running hard. So yeah, I'm going to look at the over in this one. All right. And the next one, <laughs> this was kind of your team that uh, surprised everybody. And and I don't even know the you that I'm using, but the Denver Broncos. My goodness, they're at home. They're going to lay one and a half against the Jets team that if you watch the uh, postgame press conference, Larry uh, Robert Salah, the head coach of the Jets, you would have thought that he was talking about a little league game. He's like, man, I like that little Zach Wilson. He showed me today that he belongs out here. He really belongs playing. I mean, what are we talking about? This is the NFL. You either can play or you cannot play. So the Jets coming off a hard-fought loss. By the way, Patrick Mahomes, you're still my guy, even though you cost me the bet. But do you think the Jets found something, and I'm the idiot, about Zach Wilson? The temptation uh, in terms of what everyone is going to do entering this game, and I think RJ is on that side, is to bet the Jets because they obviously have a much, much better defense, and Zach Wilson showed some great strides in prime time. I mean, he was getting rid of the ball, and he was getting it to Garrett Wilson, which is where it needs to go, and they do have a great running back in Brees Hall, so I think people are going to be on the Jets. The Broncos have been such a disaster defensively, the worst defense, I believe, in history through four games. However, I'm not going to be on that side. I believe that comeback, that down 28-7, to I know it was against the Bears, that is the kind of thing that can change the entire season for the Broncos. And Russell Wilson is tied with Josh Allen right now in passer rating. He is playing great football. This offense is playing well. Number three in passer rating. And if you think about that week one opener where they lost to the Raiders, they missed a field goal, they missed an extra point. This team could be two and two. We wouldn't be thinking about them as the laughing stock that right now uh, a lot of people think them to be. So I think at home, they're going to get this done against the New York Jets. That was exactly the question, RJ, I was going to ask you. How much do you think a win and winning it that way can help the confidence for the Denver Broncos? 
Well, we see how much magic it played into the New York Giants, who were getting their butts kicked by the Cardinals, came back and won that game, and then extrapolated that forward to two impressive wins over the last two weeks and look like a team on the rise here. Of course, that's not the case. The Giants are <laughs> terrible. But we'll see if Denver can can um, you know follow the script that Larry's um, laying out. That offense only had 311 yards against brutal against brutalized Chicago secondary. And they were very quiet until being down 28-7, a, a comeback that was facilitated by a fumble return touchdown, something you can't count on um, a lot of the time. Probably should lucky to win that game. Um, the stats, the underlying stats, say Denver's offense is very good. I look at them play. They seem too inconsistent to me. Um, I know they're scoring a, a decent amount of points, but it just seems like they need everything to go right for these drives to, to, to generate these points. And considering that their defense, everything's going to go wrong on the defensive side. It's just a high wire act. They cannot keep up the Jets defense also inconsistent after having high expectations, but they were solid against Kansas City. Um, Wilson coming off that solid game too, um, like you said, facing this historically bad defense. I want to fade Denver anytime they're laying points, considering how bad they've looked. Um, and uh, and I'm going to do it here. So I like Jets, but get the two and a half instead of the one and a half. Thank goodness that we have one game opposite the Jets Broncos on Sunday at 4:25 Eastern time. And it's a my squad. It's a Kansas City Chiefs. And there's a lot to unpack here. The Minnesota Vikings, they went on the road last week to Carolina, and they got the job done. 21-13, very workmanlike. Not impressive, but workmanlike. The Chiefs, well, Patrick Mahomes, that may be the worst I've ever seen him play after being up 17 to nothing. Larry, clearly his ankle is not healthy when you watch him run. But they're still figuring out a way to win ball games. But they're laying five and a half, the total a robust for this game at 53, your thoughts? My thoughts are to lean towards the points here with the Vikings as bad as they've been. And, and the turnovers are just, you know, so egregious week after week after week, the turnovers that this team commits. But offensively, they still have a ton of talent. This is a situation where I see the Chiefs being up 10 and Kirk Cousins driving the ball down the field. And it probably comes down to one or two plays in the end zone to get the backdoor cover. My gut still hurts, RJ, from if it would have been a tie ball game, okay, I get it. But to not go up two scores and slide at the one, yes, it was the right play. But this is 2023, and sports betting's in play. So it was not the right play. But they got it done, three and one. But what do you make of the Chiefs? Yeah, Mahomes threw some bad picks against the Jets. Still had 6.1 yards per play. The offense was being was executing well, um, except for those bad picks. So if he can erase those very Zach Wilson like picks, then um, then he then I think he has a future in this league. Patrick Mahomes. Minnesota's offense has been better on in yards per play and on season, um, but the defense, um, you know, than the Jets. But the Kansas City defense fifth in yards per pass. They can shut them down a little bit, I think, in this game. Minnesota's defense is surprising tenth in yards per play. Being aggressive has helped them. I don't think it's going to help them against uh, uh, Patrick Mahomes. We know how he is if you get aggressive with him. So if Flores, if he's bringing that pressure again, I think Kansas City could put up a huge number in this game. Um, I would take the points, too. I like that Larry's angle of counting on that backdoor cover from Kirk Cousins. We've seen it kind of fail um, early in the season. They couldn't have been able to execute near the goal line, have some turnover issues in these games. But um, it just seems like this game where Chiefs will be up by 10 or 11 and Vikings will cut it to, to four or five and we get the cover there. All right. Very good. Well, guess what? I don't know how we're going to do it, but just the two of us will finish this show with the final two games. Some tech issues with Larry's uh, camera and his Wi-Fi. And it's unfortunate because I guarantee you he had his thoughts on perhaps what should be on paper, RJ, the best game of the week. The Cowboys, and you take the Arizona game out of it. The other three games, they've been dominant. They've looked amazing. They've looked as good as San Francisco and much better than the Eagles. 49ers, they simply look like the best team in the league. They're laying three and a half. The total is 45. This is Sunday Night Football, a national TV audience. You know San Francisco is going to want to show out. Yeah, I can argue against myself if you want. Um, I can I can take both sides of this, but um, but uh, I know I think I'm on the 49ers. I disagree that Dallas um, take out that game and they've been playing awesome. Uh, their scoreboard looks like they've been playing awesome. With a def- defense scores a touchdown for every two the offense scores. That's going to help you look very good on the on the offensive on the scoreboard. Uh, but San Francisco dominating on both sides of the ball. 
Dallas being carried by their past defense, very elite, um, lost a big piece heading into that that that, that Cardinals game, um, rebounded last week, but their defense is just 27th in yards per rush. So this is another big game coming for for uh, Christian McCaffrey in this game um, that that I don't know if they're able to stop him. San Francisco's offense just 14th in sack rate, um, but they will win if they keep Purdy clean uh, it, here. And so that, it remains to be seen if they can do that against this elite defense. Dallas's offense averaging those two touchdowns per game to the, to the defense as well, like I said. They're first on third downs on offense, but they're 30th in the red zone. And in a game again on the road uh, against a team with a good uh, home field advantage, field goals are not going to be enough to cover here because the 49ers are going to score their points. We've seen them putting up 30 routinely. Um, so we'll see if they can do that against this defense. But I would lay it, um, you know, it was three on the look ahead. I thought uh, when we gave out the line as the look ahead number on the Sunday show, um, we said this is our look ahead line, San Francisco minus three. It's going to go up from here. Three and a half now. I expect it to keep going up. So I would lock it in. Um, if you don't think you're going to get the three. And I told you there was no way that Larry was going to let this game bypass without putting in his two cents. And look who is back quickly, Maestro, your thoughts. Yeah, it wasn't tech issues. It was my issue. I did it to myself, uh, but now I'm back and I'm with RJ. I'm going to lay the points here, looking to hopefully get it at a field goal because of that 49ers rushing attack, which is so unstoppable against the Dallas team, giving up 4.6 yards to carry and got absolutely gashed on the ground by Arizona and also the Cowboys problems on the offensive line. I think this is a matchup where you could see those, you know, starting to hurt them. We didn't see that last week, obviously against the Patriots. And I think uh, their Cowboys are going to struggle in the red zone. I think Dak is going to throw, you know, one big pick in this one. And I mean, what can you say about Brock Purdy at home and in the regular season, you know, unstoppable, untouchable, unbeatable so far. And one thing to notice, because obviously we're a sports betting brand, because we talked about this a lot on primetime early edge on Monday night, how players don't care about the point spreads. Coaches don't care about this point spread. I would contend, however, that Kyle Shanahan likes to take care of his fan base because he knows a lot of them bet on their team. And he could have knelt the ball out on Sunday up 12. He decided to score instead and go up 19 to cover the spread. Now, it may not have been for betters, but he could have knelt and he chose not to. So keep that in mind when maybe this hook is still out there. And you never know. You never know. I just thought it was interesting to, to, to notice that as I was on the opposite side of that game. All right. As good as Sunday night football should be, Monday night football, mm, not so much. Two teams that laid an absolute egg last week. Now, um, if you watched my What Are You Doing segment on social media yesterday posted, then you know the Raiders were a part of that as they were allowed to come back because Brandon Staley simply does know how to be a head coach. So they're at home, but they're the underdog. Packers minus two and a half. They laid an egg against the Detroit Lions. But Jordan Love, at times this year, he's looked very, very good. So RJ, what do you make of the Packers going on the road to Las Vegas and still laying points? Yeah, just like the Saints and Patriots game, the injury is going to be key to monitor here. Uh, Packers uh, starting to get healthy at the skill positions with Christian Watson and Aaron Jones back, but Aaron Jones didn't look like his full self in that Thursday game. Uh, offensive line is still going to be an issue for the Packers. It looks like we don't know when David Bakhtiari is coming back. We'll see about Elton Jenkins. Um, but we're monitoring those injuries there. And then the Raiders side, is Jimmy Garoppolo going to be able to come back? Because Aiden O'Connell had some flashes, but he did not look like he's ready for prime time uh, in that game last week. The Vegas pass offense had been has been solid when it avoids interceptions, 32nd in interception rate. So don't throw those picks, and they're actually pretty good. But the rush offense has been awful, and they need to excel in this spot because the Packers' rush defense has not been very good. Um, Pack, the Packers' offense has an opportunity here too, but the offense needs to get healthy. Hopefully the extra rest coming off the Thursday game will help. Um, and, you know, Vegas, despite those rookie QB struggles, they nearly tied it at the game at, at the end for the Chargers. Of course, the Chargers handed them that opportunity for whatever reason, but Vegas still nearly got it done. So if Garoppolo's back, I think Vegas can get the win. I think they'll be the value here. Um, and, but, you know, once he is ruled back in, this game probably comes down to pick him anyway. So if you see that news trending toward him being in, I would try to get the plus two and a half or plus two, what's ever available right now. And that's a great, great point. And the thing about it, because we'd be roasting the Chargers if they didn't have a bye week this week, but they really didn't do any other teams any favors, Maestro, because what they did in the second half, they decided, you know what, we're up 17. Let's play, let's play prevent defense from the start of the third quarter, and they gave confidence to the rookie quarterback. And then by the fourth quarter, he looked like the best quarterback on the entire field better than Justin Herbert. How much do you think 
the way he played in the second half will help this week. Well, it'll help if he's going to be the starter, which we don't know. And I just think the Packers, this is a great spot. When you get, this is a bye week, basically. They played on a Thursday, and now they're playing on a Monday. Jair Alexander is back at practice. That's huge. When you're facing Devontae Adams and Jacoby Myers, now you have one of the top corners in all of football. The offensive guys should be healthier. And the way the Raiders play defense, you know, they they don't put any pressure on you. They don't jam you. They let you complete and dink and dunk your way. That is going to be great for this Packers offense, which hasn't had any room. It got smothered by the Lions. I'm looking at the Packers here. This is a Raiders team. They got that one win against the uh, you know, against the uh, Broncos. Uh, but since then, Josh McDaniels, uh, you know, not putting it together. I like the coaching edge for Green Bay as well with Matt LaFleur. No, no I'll, question about that. Go ahead. I want to point out, point out real quick, it's actually the third week in a row that we've had that Thursday to Monday pseudo bye week. Um, you know, we had the Eagles in week two to week three, and they looked very good in that game against the, the Buccaneers, a team they were much better than. We had the Giants week three to week four looked very bad last night. Um, so I don't know that we can, we can pull too much out of that. Which which bucket do the Packers fit in? Probably more of the Giants side at this point with how the, uh, the offense has looked. Not nearly as bad, but I wouldn't classify them as, as an Eagles type of team that can dominate a, a, an inferior opponent here i love ending the show on a chick-fil-a nugget from rj now quickly only three best bets for the show this week so quickly gentlemen take me through them rj let's start with you I have the Bills minus five and a half in London on a neutral field. I think a game should be at least seven. The Jaguars are not as good as people thought before the season. The Bills look like the best team in the league through at least over the last three weeks. And we know they always have trouble with the Jets. Maestro. I'm going to take the Bears and the points against the Commanders who've given up 33 or more points in three straight games. They just played an overtime game. Their defense was on the field for nearly 80 plays, and I think Justin Fields can at least get us through the back door on Thursday night football. And then I expect a beat down in Detroit on Sunday. The Panthers have the worst offense in football. Bryce Young is the 30th rated quarterback right now. Doesn't have a lot of the weapons. The, the Lions are clicking both sides of the ball. They can run it. They can throw it. And Jamison Williams could come back. This is going to be a double-digit victory. This might end up being my lock of the week. I don't know. I still have a few to choose from, but I got to record it on Wednesday for those of you watching live on Tuesday, so look for that on social media. By the way, a big-time thank you to everybody watching right now, and if you know anybody, because we got all of our numbers yesterday, and courtesy of all of you, we had the biggest month, and it wasn't close on social media that we've ever had at Sportsline and the Early Edge, and we can't do it without all of you. Maestro, RJ, another banger job. You guys are the absolute very best. So we went through every single game. Remember, four teams are on a bye this week. We'll be back live tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. Eastern time. And then at 3 p.m. Eastern time on Wednesday, our college football weekly mega preview. That's all that needs to be said because there's only one thing left to do. And I believe you all know what that is. You've got your marching orders. Let's take all of these NFL tickets and early look straight to the pay window. For my entire crew, love them all. Maestro, the stoic one, RJ White, snake always behind the scenes on the ones and the twos. I am simply the coach trying to keep this train on said track. We grind for you so we can win with you. It's truly what we're all about right here at the early edge. Good luck. <laughs>